Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Alice, tell me what you think. Which band is better, Pearl Jam or Motley Crue? I really don't know that I could name a song. That's from the debate going on right now, and I have just uh, because they're spouting, they're, they're spatting. Eddie Vedder is going at it with Nikki Six, whose oh. cell phone number I have. Did you know that? Oh wow, you must be like famous or something. I was the male receptionist, and he just gave it to me. He's like, <laughs> "Have her call me. This is my number." Oh, and you saved it. Yeah, I, I yeah I do have it somewhere. That's a that's a keeper. I have a I have a little black book of my receptionist days, and I got a lot of good numbers nice. in there. I've got some. It's interesting because um, I've just wrote a bunch of stuff down, including the the word. Did I ever show you it? It was when that. I became the receptionist at Intercom, mm-hmm. which is after I left hotels and tried to get into radio. So I became the receptionist, and I wanted to be really good. So mm-hmm. so I would. Write down. I wanted to remember everybody's name, everybody's name. So I remember I would uh, write down. There was a woman named Kristen Weber who was very pretty and, and nice and fun, and I wanted to. So I wrote down her name and who she looked like, who was famous. Try to get them all down, but they're all in there. And it's interesting. It, re- re- it just reminds me of that crazy time. But um, but I've also got in there. I've got a bunch of. I used to take complaints, of course, and people were always angry. Always angry. First of all, that we liquidated one of the stations and flipped it. And it had it had been a an iconically gay friendly station, and so the fellows uh, were not pleased when we flipped the station and let and were yelling at me. Like you made the decision. like I made the decision. Like I'm just the guy who answers the phone here. Um, um, but uh, but I actually have some early comments from listeners, including one. Saying a guy demanding that we cancel Jerry Callahan and John Dennis, and some of his comments. It's very cool. I should probably send it to Jerry. Jerry would like that. I think Jerry, who I understand by looking at Twitter today, uh, that Jerry and I are setting up setting up a fund to bail out January six rioters. Jerry and you are. Yes, this is a Twitter lie said by these group of homeless virgins who are <laughs> really trying to find a way probably to get to Jerry's sponsors or whatever. Thankfully, they won't get to our sponsors, will they? <laughs> they will not. Our sponsors yeah. are not reachable. Right. And on the list of the multiple hundreds of millions of people I would be bailing out uh, or fundraising for before January 6th rioters would be Thomas Shattuck <laughs> to start with. Um. So a uh, couple of things. So you know, one, I think it's so pathetic just watching this this battle go on here with Eddie Vedder and Pearl. First of all, the, the, you know very few good so songs. So what are they even mad at each other about? 
they um, Eddie Vedder said that the the heavy metal sucked because it made the guys sound vacuous and stupid and uh, and portrayed the girls in a terrible light. And it it was it Molly Crew sang about grabbing chicks and having sex. By and large, that was it. The boys in the band were jumping in the car, grabbing beautiful women and having a great time with them. That's as far as really as it got. I'll take that every day over the pretense of whatever Jeremy has broken with um, all this crappy wailing stuff. That That's it. That's been, uh, 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 Pearl Jam for you. Okay. Yeah. It's just spent the entire... 90s doing his not real singing kind of thing being deep you know we we decided my generation decided that we were the new deep generation and so we were looking at meaning man in the early 90s we were as pathetic as anything else believe me but i think that i think gen x listened to some stupid motley crew metal also well yeah a few years earlier that's that's no doubt but but there was really in in the early 90s a an enlightenment an alternative enlightenment when we eschewed all of the pink lipstick and spandex pants stuff for grungy thoughtfulness and and mm. we embraced our own angst it's just it's a good thing we didn't have tiktok oh my god i would <laughs> yeah it's a good thing because we were pathetic I mean, there was a time i think you guys turned out okay well i mean the, compared um, we to weren't like some other bat bleep crazy we were just navel gazing but there was a time, like I remember, when it's a, like Eddie Vedder was talking about how it was unfair. This entire generation had had uh, had inherited the the policies of Bush, Reagan, and like incurred a huge national debt and this and that. We found a way in 1991 to somehow make ourselves victims of really an ideal life. The entire 90s, nothing happened anywhere, but everybody, but Tom Shattuck got rich and and. And the world changed forever with the internet. It's like, please. But I did it. But I did it. But I. But I. I dove into it. There was even a grunge cola called OK Cola. Did I tell you about this? I don't think so. OK Coca Cola, because they could tell it, it, it that, that you couldn't be commercial, couldn't be establishment. You had to be uh, alt and uh, and uh, and you know part of the like cool intellectual fringe. That they had to launch a Coca Cola launched a, an alternative cola, it it was called OK Cola. You know what? This cola is just okay. We don't even care. Whatever, drink it or don't. Doesn't <laughs> matter. That was it. The complacency was, and I of course bought the like the first six pack available. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm Generation X. I'm supposed to buy this. <laughs> it was delicious actually, but that's beside was the point. Was it the same as regular Coke? No, no. It was um, orangey. It was like an orange crush kind of thing. Um. But it was okay, and there were like smart assy um, quotes on it, like "Yeah, we don't care. we're we're so trying not to even have a good cola, deal with it." It was very much on point with the time. There was in, in with uh, like early '90s, Kurt Cobain was like he doesn't give a flying f, and he's not even he was like bitchy to all the MTV VJs who wanted to talk to him. He was moody. Oh, he could never he wouldn't he didn't want to talk to any press. He'd brag about sometimes it's trying to go and buy the cheapest guitars he could find, like pieces of crap, and wouldn't even tune them right. Yeah, his the amount. They, you, they, it was very important you let everybody know that you didn't care. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, uh, <clears throat> wow. I don't know why I bring that up, but anyway, it was a, it was a because uh, Eddie Vedder and Nikki Six are in a fight. Nikki Six are in a fight, and Eddie Vedder okay. in a fight. But it's a, now these are two middle aged men, both of whom, <laughs> both of whom made their living. As circus performers <laughs> trying to out cool each other, and it's very—it's just very interesting. To, to his credit, Nikki Six has died more than once, I think, and have been resuscitated. Is that the one that got in the car accident, like drunk driving? Vince Neil got in the car accident, okay, and killed that, somebody. That's another Motley. Crue I'm no, person? there's no doubt Nikki Six got into car accidents too, okay. and maybe, maybe but he was that's in the, the car. one that people know about. Okay. Yes, um, I think I saw part of a documentary on Motley Crue one time, it, like by oh, accident. No, we saw that thing about about uh, Tommy Lee. Remember the kid was a, a, pretended to be Tommy Lee, and 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 it, like he's almost a first person thing. He said, oh, "Let me tell you how the crew started." And, we saw it. We liked the movie. It was fun. But, uh, but that said, there was a movie. I don't think but, we're talking about the same thing. Yes. Well, we saw the movie that stars a kid who played Tommy Lee to talk about, who talked about his like life experience. 
and we liked the movie. In that movie, it includes the car crash mm-hmm. because the crew was the Motley crew was down the street or whatever. I don't know, but it is interesting. Just another thing for the '90s before we move on from this. Um, this new um, show that's on about Pam Anderson and Tommy Lee. Yeah, I don't see how that could possibly be a draw. Well, not only that, but the people who are like fans of Pam Anderson, who I guess exist, don't like they don't want to see it because she's upset about it because they did it without her permission or her blessing or anything, and like they feel that it's re-traumatizing her from what the trauma of re-traumatizing the- her. Yes. So here's my thing about that. You the real Pam and Tommy were more spectacular than those two. What are you going to do? The real Pam had sex on camera for the world to see and was a total knockout. Well, apparently she was traumatized because it was leaked and this is re-traumatizing her. What was oh, the, the, the sex tape, the Pam and Tommy yeah. sex tape? Right. Yeah. <laughs> she was traumatized. All right. But like the, those what two, if she was? Those two l- lived a very wild, very public life. Like, we've already seen everything that this thing could show us. What's he going to hit her now? I think we know that happens. It's like, Well, I think people are... I, I mean, I think people like movies where people pretend to be other people. As do, uh, do, as do be, we. we how watch, do you get to we be enjoy... Pamela Anderson? Or Pamela Sue Anderson, as she was once known, I think. Pamela Anderson, Alice. Mm-hmm. In the 1990s, let's say 1990 through 1999... I would say those were pretty good years for her. And I would say that she probably was treated like a royal and had a good time. Okay. So what is, what is her hang up? What is her problem now? What is her new she drama? She was traumatized because her sex tape was leaked. Yeah. Yeah. That's I remember the, the narrative tra- amongst my contemporaries. Yeah. I can tell you. So it's that's so like because I saw somebody post like I can't believe they're even you know allowed to do this without her permission. You know what? Per- it's incredible, and all the comments what? are like, I can't well, believe the they tape, would re-traumatize her like the this. Sex it's tape incredible. Was, was leaked twenty-five years ago. Well, no, but the documentary is portraying all the events again without her permission. So that's like why people feel it's sort of invasive and not right. Yeah. You know what percentage of just between us, because we're in love, sex, tape, sex tapes leak, Alice? A hundred? Correct. <laughs> there, is not, there are zero that haven't leaked. And even if you think, and I, between you and I, Alice, mm-hmm. I uh, dated somebody in the 2000s who had been allowed her very close boyfriend to a film, a romance with her. No. Oh, yeah. I didn't tell you this? I don't think so. And Why would you ever let anyone, ever? Right. Okay. So I'm sure that there is, like, in Denmark, she is world famous and and, and has no idea. You know, I, I didn't bother to look uh, around. But, like, this, and she said, she said, oh, no, there's no way he'd show anybody. It, so what I, what I assume is that women just, what they're saying is subliminally, yeah, I know it's going to be leaked, and I kind of want it to be leaked. Because other than that. I don't think, so. I don't think a lot of women are very naive about, like, uh men do you realize yeah i guess they would be i guess it would be because the first thing okay i'm not i won't i won't i will just say oh is that coyotes no it's our neighbor's dog the little one or the big one the deep bark is the big one and the little bark is there? the old one yeah they're both out there <sighs> i want to see some coyotes um <laughs> Okay, so other things going on. There is a story that's getting lots of play today about, and we can relate to this, Alice, about, did you see it in Lenore Skinnazy in Reason Magazine? About a mother who got in trouble because she let her daughter babysit. Her daughter was 14, and the mother was got a working-from-home job. <clears throat> got a working-from-home job, and the daughter, the 14-year-old, was supposed to be watching a kid Mm-hmm. And the kid got outside, uh-huh. right? And a neighbor saw the kid outside. Supposedly, the kid was either either half dressed or not dressed. Okay. Imagine this happening all as well. <laughs> I can't the kid somehow managed this ever to es- happening. no right escape outside. And guess what the neighbor did? Called the police. Absolutely. The neighbor called the cops on them, and now the mom is in deep kimchi, and she's had all sorts of stuff. And the fourteen year old now can't 
babysit anymore because supposedly there's some kind of there could be a developmental problem that the 14 year old has that someone somewhere some government stooge is on earth or whatever so anyway it just reminded me obviously of our own experiences with, i mean there's with plenty some of really people. good citizens who are happy to show us that we have dropped the ball and then immediately afterwards call the police on us yeah there's plenty of people who are over 18 who let kids escape and even people who like work for daycare centers and are supposedly trained to work with kids in the safest possible environment and let kids die all the time i think your kid is safer in your house with your own teenager watching them and the mom was there she was working from home and she was physically there yes but not paying attention because she was working and the kid got out i mean that's pretty like uh yeah it's hard for me to imagine like a world in which that should be illegal here we go. This is Lenore Skenazy, who we love, right? Mm-hmm. This is a very pretty young family. Mom handcuffed, jailed for letting 14-year-old babysit kids during COVID-19. Uh, I almost don't have words for how this made me feel, says Militia, Melissa Henderson. When COVID-19 shut down her children's daycare in May of 2020, and Melissa Henderson had to go to work, she asked her 14-year-old daughter, Lindley, to babysit the four younger siblings. Lindley was engaged in remote learning when her youngest brother, four-year-old Thaddeus, spied his Okay, friend- so mom wasn't working from home. The sister oh, okay. was, was doing school okay. work from home. Okay. The mom lo- wasn't there. Okay. But still. Um, okay, the, when she asked the 14-year-old to babysit the four younger siblings, Lindley was engaged in remote learning when her youngest brother, four-year-old Thaddeus, spied his friend outside and went over to play with him. It was about 10 or 15 minutes late before Lindley realized he was missing. She guessed that he must be at his friend's house and went to fetch him. In the meantime, the friend's mom had called the police. What a witch. Now Henderson, a single mom in Blairsville, Georgia, is facing criminal reckless conduct charges for letting her 14-year-old babysit. The char- What's How wrong? is that illegal? Because 12-year-olds babysitted me and my brother. Yeah, definitely. There was a babysitting course at my sixth grade. It was like an after-school course you could take. That was like an extracurricular and you could learn like CPR and be like a qualified babysitter, like learn what to do if the smoke alarm goes off or whatever. And that was like considered normal that 12 year olds would take a babysitting class or like have younger siblings and then be a babysitter at 12. That was like just people just did that. She is facing criminal reckless conduct charges for letting her 14 year old babysit. The charges carry a maximum penalty of one year in prison and a fine of a thousand bucks. The arresting officer, get this, Deputy Sheriff Mark Pelote wrote in his report that anything terrible could have happened to Thaddeus. Oh, I love that one. Yep. That's what we've heard, too, when people oh, complain yes. that our kids were outside without us. Yep, including being kidnapped, run over, or bitten by a venomous snake. <laughs> when Henderson protested they, that... The, they could have been struck by lightning. Yep, when Henderson protested that the kid was only gone for a few minutes, Pelote responded that a few minutes was all the time a venomous snake needed. <laughs> It's, then there's a photo Hi. attached that shows the busy street and the jungle-like conditions that Thaddeus faced. And it's a wide-open, very private road. It's, it's like farmland. There's one house here and one house a quarter of a mile away. Nobody on the road. It's wide open. I hate people so much. Mm-hmm. What's wrong with people? Why, what would possess you to call the cops on your neighbor with their kids? I mean, like, I can't... There would have to be, like, cigarette burns on a kid before I would call the police on the parents. Listen, I just don't understand, house. like, what, why, oh, I like, know. normal parenting, like, kid runs outside things are, we're, like, criminalizing them. Right. Because that's insane. And a 14-year-old babysitting is completely normal. It's normal. Right. And sometimes with, sometimes kids get outside, Okay. It's, you know, it, it's, it's nice to live on a dead-end road where there's no... My neighbor was naked running around his house for like two straight years. <laughs> but we lived in a dead end. In a dead end without any informers. So there weren't people driving by who were going to call the police. Right. But, you know, near our house we have a convention of people who need to know, let us know every time and then give us crap. Henderson, the woman, had been investigated by the Georgia Division of Family and Children's Services about a year earlier when Thaddeus, age three at the time had also wandered outside. She was no longer under DCFS, uh, DFS, DFCS supervision when the second incident occurred. DFCS investigated Henderson's conduct this time around and found it unexceptional. Case closed. But Pilote recalled the earlier investigation, believing this proved some, proved some sort of pattern. He initiated the arrest about two weeks later. 
Five cop cars came to her arrest, her house, Henderson tells Reason. I thought you weren't allowed to convict people on the basis of uh, previous bad behavior. I thought you like literally weren't allowed to. She says, I almost don't have any words for how it low it made me feel, she says, to truly feel in the bottom of my heart that if I'm anything, it's a good mother and everything you do is for your kids. To be stripped of that to the point where you're handcuffed in front of them. She was placed inside a police cruiser and taken to county jail where she was photographed, fingerprinted, and even given a pair of bright orange Crocs to wear. Then she was put in a cell. I remember curling up in the ball in the corner and just wanting to hide, she said. Her ex-husband bailed her out. Can you imagine the feeling that would be just having been separated from your kids, knowing they're at your house and you're in this with these ridiculous, ridiculous and now how is anybody better off? How were the kids better off that they brought her to jail? Right. Like, it doesn't help anyone. And it's incredible because it really also is another way in which being... And this is something, to their credit, the left does talk about sometimes, in particular when it affects people of color, but they do bring it up, how, like, being poor ends up being criminalized. Like... If you can afford an expensive nanny, then you won't be in trouble. But if you have your 14-year-old babysit, well, you're screwed, you know? And, like, a lot of these stories of of parents like this who get arrested because they're, like, at work and they let their kid go play at the playground down the street, a lot of times it is poorer people. A lot of times it is people who work at McDonald's or somewhere where they, like, have a shift and they have to physically be there. They can't remote work. They can't hire a nanny. They're not making enough money. And... And it really is like where the system is judging you and saying you're not good enough because you didn't have money to do it how Mm -hmm. we, the expensive rich people who live in Wellesley, do it, which is we hire expensive nannies, you know? Right. Like, just be rich next time, stupid. I mean, that's the message, right? The message is don't have a job where you have to leave, where you can't afford to pay a babysitter if you're, if you're schools all close on you because the government sucks you know that's that's the message and that's the message about a lot of things too right like for example one of our two cars and i won't say which one because i don't want to say we would ever break any laws ever has an expired inspection sticker and it costs money to fix the thing that would keep it from passing inspection. So you end up delaying getting the inspection sticker because you can't afford to fix the thing that gets it to pass inspection. And then, you know, then you get in trouble and you get a ticket for driving around with an expired inspection sticker. So it's like, again, you know, the lesson is next time don't be poor, right? Right. Well, but I feel terrible. And and obviously we've had our own money challenges and everybody does, you know. But I feel terrible. Like this woman... How many days of work did she miss? How many days did she get docked pay? They, and as she far could as have been fired go, from her job with stuff like that. As far as like tickets that. go, like you don't get a break, especially if you've got to drive to work and you get six parking tickets, and that's your day's pay is gone. It's like right. it is vicious. This right. is why government is so. And if they're late, they charge you more, right. and then they put a boot on your car, mm-hmm. and then I mean, like it, it just like snowballs and escalates. And the answer to everything is like, well, just don't be poor next time. Sucks to be you. But meanwhile, the people saying that want their college tuition to be paid to them. <laughs> I know. I know. But there's a thousand things like that. And if you if you ever, like, struggle with money, you always bump up against this. That, like, you always end up getting punished for not, like, mm-hmm. having money. And, and nowhere is it more apparent than with parenting. Nowhere oh. is it more apparent than with parenting. Oh, right? and that was like, terrible. Remember, you remember, God, remember the, 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 just being a young guy and like getting overdraft fees so much to the point where I was getting overdraft fees hit so much that like my next paycheck was already gone. It's like, it's a sinking, ho- a horrible feeling. It's a right. terrible feeling. I feel terrible for people who are, who are admired in that crap right now. It's like, geez. And this woman raising four, five kids is enough mm-hmm. of a pain. Now she's got to worry about some damn ratty neighbors who are ratty, called the cops? Yeah, and she has to deal with the court case and the DCFS investigation and everything else, which will also cost her money and time, possibly cost her her job, because some jobs don't put up with that, right? Like, some jobs, if you get arrested, are like, sorry, we're done with you, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's incredible, like, the, the 
penalties that are on parents who are just like trying to survive for you know their choices being judged by other people who aren't in their shoes and don't and have different options than they do you know that's what sucks about it right and it doesn't make anybody's life better like what what really are they going to do if they take away those kids and put them in foster care are they going to be having a better life how many kids in the foster right. care system escape from the house or get mauled by pit bulls or right. get abused or whatever else right like it, it's so absurd the idea is so absurd that any of this like as far as i'm concerned we can just like disband that whole section of the government the part that goes after parents because it's garbage agreed all right alice i'm gonna get your take on this new movie coming out i think what annoys me most about white people is when they pretend like they're the victim <laughs> What's also annoying is when they, you know, when they kill us. What is fragile about whiteness when everything has been constructed around it? Every part of who I am has been distorted or criminalized. Linda Sarsour. Really just a bunch of white lies. <laughs> the storm in the Capitol! You're not patriots. You're ridiculous. Margaret Cho. One of the definitions of American whiteness is ignorance. White people, we are not your problem. You are. Should white people today feel any responsibility for slavery? <laughs> Hell yeah. White Jesus. How does that work exactly? How exactly do I have a responsibility for slavery? Where does that come from? Yeah. How did I retroactively get in on that? <laughs> it didn't seem to make any money doing it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Does anybody have any agency for anything? No, nobody's responsible for anything. It's remarkable. Mm -hmm. It's remarkable. So here's a movie. The only things you're responsible for are things you absolutely didn't do that happened 100 years before you were born. So this is a movie Mm -hmm. which is just explicitly tearing down people based on their race. Right. How problematic white people are. It's a nice, timely thing, too. You know, you know. God forbid we start to to uh, get a little better. Um, and this, like, let me tell you something. This white people's tears and white people are killing us and all this and white people in this and white people mm-hmm. in that and white people in this. It's not just, this isn't like we're being roasted now by comedians. This is manifesting itself in real stuff now. Oh, yeah. These people believe in critical race theory. There's no doubt they do. Mm-hmm. They believe in, uh, certainly, If I'm sure some of them believe in black supremacy, supremacy whatever. Mm-hmm. But these people ha- say this stuff, have these stuff. I wouldn't want my kids hanging out with anybody who talked like this. No. And as a matter of fact, I kind of want my kids to watch the movie to understand what's out there and how people are going to view them because of their race. Remarkable. Because this is a black t- I want, you know, I want my kids to grow up knowing that there are people out there that are absolutely trying to go after them. Well, yeah, and I'd say especially, but not only, but especially the boys. <laughs> Hell yeah. White Jesus or black Jesus? Jesus was not white. Think of geography. Ain't no way Jesus walked around with blonde hair and blue eyes. So this is my feeling on this. And I, and I understand this is something that's supposed to be a great dunk. Yeah. You know? I would say that if if you're trying to needle or raz somebody or um you know insult somebody by th- by doing what you think is probably dear to them the the iconic image of Jesus and telling them that's fraudulent fraudulent is actually very mm-hmm. different and Jesus belongs to another group more than it belongs to your group then I don't know if that's really Christian. Well, it's also stupid because, I mean, the earliest depictions of Jesus that we have, right, that are, like, from a, that that still exist today, mm-hmm. you know, date from, like, a couple hundred years after Jesus lived, but they usually typically are from the greater Middle East area, like Turkey. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they're, you know, they depict somebody who, it looks essentially Middle Eastern, like, as, is, pretty fair-skinned, but has dark hair, dark eyes, like, looks, you know, like you would expect, basically, a Semitic person. 
Um, and then when you when it spreads further to other areas, other people depict what's familiar to them. Mm -hmm. So you have depictions of Jesus in Asia that look more Asian and you have depictions of Jesus in Western Europe that look more Western European and fairer and has lighter hair and eyes. I mean, like, that's what all the people did everywhere. So that's not really like some big shocking thing. White culture fears the end of the world. For us as native people, the end of the world already happened like multiple times. It's like, what if we took critical race theory and made it a totally fun, hip, edgy for us, movie? For us like, native people, the end of the world already like happened a number of times. It did? I swear that guy's sitting right there. <laughs> I know, it seems Sitting like right it. there. He's living in a big, non-native American traditional dwelling. Wearing Western clothes. Correct. Getting fat off of Western food. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, taking a piece of the Western economy. It seems to me he just started living. You could be living your life in a happy, healthy way if you wanted to. Symbols and monuments. These are mementos of racism. That. Put up a TCBY yogurt or something. Everybody can get behind. <laughs> The truth has the strength of the trailer uh, and the the tracks and the the dissing that's going on tells me that this mm -hmm. is not going to be a great movie. To be told about history, we have to make sure that these stories. Are it says from the Pac point of view, from the people of color point of view. Is this are people of color new here? <laughs> I think that we've been definitely about not the... represented in pop culture at all. I think. Well, not, not just that, but we've been hearing about the people of color. These are uh, fellow Americans, by and large, for four hundred years. We're very familiar with this, right? And the struggle, and everything that went into it, and the big war we had, where a bunch of teenagers from cold states fought a bunch of teenagers from warm states and slaughtered each other. It tore the country apart. <clears throat> I mean, this is not, this is why, this is why we think these people putting this film together, I'm sure it's just some producers who are like, let's just, this is just, you know, this is where the winds are blowing here. Let's make some money. This generation of Americans here involved in this. Mm-hmm not only more clueless than other generations, but they think they're the most enlightened. And also, they're just a bunch of spoiled brats. Spo <coughs> spoiled brats. The American experience, especially in the last 30 years, for all Americans, mm -hmm. I wish they'd stop killing us. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> now, I want to ask you this. What are the chances that that movie will be shown in any high school classrooms by a very cool history teacher? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, well, it's also going to probably clean up in whatever award shows there are now. A movie that tells you how bad the majority of people in the in the country, white people, how bad they suck. Are told from our perspective. There's always hope. You no, know saying we don't give up. It's about obliterating systemic and institutionalized racism. It's Which really... sounds fine. Eliminating the systemic and institutionalized racism until you realize that white people existing is part of the systemic and institutionalized racism. Well, and not only that, but I mean, to to be honest here, I, I'm going to just go out on a limb mm -hmm. and say that Larry Elder will not be depicted in this. And um, You think it, Candace Owens will be asked her opinion? Can, right? Or, or, or Ben... Um, the former secretary of the HUD secretary, Ben Carson, mm -hmm. who's actually done extraordinary things in the medical field. It'd be interesting to hear from him. The, this is just more progressive bull. Do you think they'll ask Clarence Thomas what he thinks? He's no. an incredibly accomplished person. Anita Hill's color. probably in it. You better believe that. This is just. Did you see, by the way, something? I saw something like somebody was saying Biden should talk to Anita Hill before selecting his new Supreme Court justice. Yeah. <laughs> How'd that go? Right now, Biden is working with his HHS to grant, to uh, give money to grants, which are going to fund free crack pipes and uh, open injection sites. Oh, good. We know that always works. Yes. <clears throat> yeah. Talk about 
maybe, guys, when you're talking about how bad the whites are, maybe you should be looking at their funding crack pipes as little warmer to the core of systems that are underserving people. You would think. You would think that that would be uh, in the... In you know, on the agenda. But instead, no. I mean, I've even seen some people say that, like, the crack pipe thing is because of racial equity. Right. That, like, we do safe injection sites for heroin and we should do safe crack pipe sites or something. I don't know. It, it, that's that's insanity. It's insanity. It didn't work in Massachusetts. Andrew Lelling stopped that, I'm pretty sure, didn't he? Um, I think that he indicated that he would... That he would... He would prosecute the right. people, yeah. I think he indicated that. But who knows? It's going to happen now with Michelle Wu and, and the... Well, the rumors that Andrew Lelling... I keep hearing sort of flutterings that uh, Andrew Lelling might potentially run for governor. He can't. Why? Well, he can, but he can't win. Because he's mean, Alice. Not like the last guy. The guy... Not like Charlie Baker. He's a mean... Andrew he's Lelling... He's not Jeff Deal. Well, uh, and he's well. been he's been going on all the shows and like condemning January sixth. And we actually did see a good uh, a glowing uh, glow yeah, glow profile huh. of him. So, <clears throat> so I do kind of feel like he would be a good choice. Like for uh, like I don't know if Charlie Baker would have gotten out of the race if there wasn't someone ready to take the mantle of like the moderate Republican that the establishment likes. Do you know what I mean? Yes. And Karen Polito's not running, so like who is that person? Like what other what possible person is there in this state who has the credibility to uh to run for governor as a moderate Republican? Uh Richard to say? He's over, right? I don't, I don't know. He's interested anymore. Yeah. Frankly, he has a Good gig. I've seen his office. It's fancy. Ooh. It's fancy office. I wouldn't leave that office. All right, Alice. Him. There is a there is it. a viral tweet out there today. Mm-hmm. Put out there by uh, America's favorite uh, new dad, Chastin Buttigieg. Okay. Who has tweeted out? When did you know you were straight? And so people are retweeting this and so, tweeting pictures of Linda Carter, etc. Do you want to go first? First of all, are you straight? Yes. Okay. What? Is, why do you say it with a laugh? <laughs> I don't know. I just... I, I would hope that you would know that. Mm-hmm. But thank you for not assuming I appreciate that you're Well, open, you're at the age where, 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 where girls were in college like lesbians for a month, I think. There was... Lesbian until graduation, right? Mm-hmm. It, L-I-G, is that what that is? L-U-G. Until it's spelled with a U. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let me Google it. <laughs> okay. Um, so it's spelled with a U. It is. Has it always been? Yeah. Oh, damn. One of my favorite Tom stories is uh, one of the kids brought something downstairs and he said, what Dad, is- Dad, look, I bring you this. And you said, Sally, dear, it's brung. It is brung. <laughs> I stand by that. No, okay. Brung. Yes. Yes. I stand by that. It, it is brung. All right, so uh, all right, so what was your first crush? When did you know that you were a, a hetero cisgendered, sorry, um, birthing person? Well, I don't know that I knew when I was a little kid. That, mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. Like, when did I first like a boy? When did you know? Answer the question, Chasen, please. I don't know. Like, I probably had a crush on a boy in like fourth grade. On an actual boy, not like a... No, like a boy in my class. Um, hold on, Alice. When did you know? I'm about to tell you. Um, but I didn't... Oh, <laughs> do you know who I had a crush on for a while? I don't know if it's the very first person I had a crush on, like in a book... If that's what we're doing, because I didn't like watch much TV or whatever to like have a crush on a TV person, but um, but I read a lot of books, surprisingly. And um, did you ever read the Redwall books? No. They're like about mice and stuff, and they live in this abbey, and like they're like anthropomorphic, like mice and badgers, and like they defend the abbey from like evil weasels and stuff. And one of them was called Martin the Warrior, and I really liked the mouse Martin the Warrior. He was pretty cool. Okay. I liked uh, him. <laughs> so I had a 
crush on a mouse. What sexuality is that, honey? It makes sense for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right. So I think for me, Alice, I okay. may have the time for you. Uh, I think I have the time for you. I'll, I think I'm going to try to play it here, okay? Okay. I think... Uh, hold on. It is, this time, this is probably somewhere around 1970 and then 9. Um, and I think, if I'm not right... That, that if I'm not wrong, that it was. Um, I thought it was the um, Charlie's Angels where they, where they um, dress up as Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Now it looks like they were the sexy satin cheerleaders. Yeah. Oh. And so. Forty-four. Oh, well, see, I mostly just hung out with the younger crowd. Huh? <laughs> uh. I suppose uh, you're... So there we go. I think that was it. Or it might have been BJ and the Bear, which is a trucker movie. Okay. Which is, I'm reminded by a commentary podcast, truckers were, where there were the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were on the episode. And <clears throat> and that uh, something something uh, affected <laughs> me, certainly. I mean, not, 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 not in a gross way, but just... Okay. So, so but um, but they were mentioning about the, the trucker... Um, Cultural thing, yeah. From the late from the seventies was a huge thing. Yeah, it, there was like movies and stuff. Well, right? all sorts of movies where you you escape the cops, etc. And how mm -hmm. like this new Canada trucker culture thing might be the resurgence of this, which is kind of cool. And I didn't, I had forgotten that the CB radio was something that came out there. We had somebody who grabbed a CB radio and brought it to our house, a babysitter who was probably abusive to us. Now that I think about it, but but um that that. Big trucker stuff was really cool, and it was really like good old American, almost frontiersy, and you did, to eschew the law. It was very cool, and I welcome it back. What do you think of the tr the French truckers? The Canadian truckers? Yeah. I mean, I like them. I think they're good. I think it, the whole thing is wonderful to watch because all, mm -hmm. all I'm seeing is, and I don't even know the, like the, the the granular issues at play, but I'm seeing an effete dickhead. In Trudeau, uh -huh. look down at people and then have these guys pull off the impossible and their movement's still growing and he skips off and escapes and hides. Right. Well, right. And they're actually like disrupting life quite a bit, which we got told quite a lot from people on the left is the whole point of protest is to disrupt life until you get noticed. There's trouble in the streets. Yeah, there needs to be uh, unrest in the streets until uh, there's... As long as there's unrest in our hearts, right? Yep. So there you go. If you have unrest in your heart, you are welcome to make unrest for everybody else all the time. That's what the left taught us. So now we're doing it. But, you know, of course, uh, the rules are different for the left. So I assume some of these people are going to probably be in trouble because they're already comparing it to January 6th. And as <laughs> I mentioned yesterday, you know, they're going after them, calling them racists and and neo-Nazis, and they have this conspiracy theory that Honk Honk is secret code yes, for Heil Hitler. that's right. So it's like a whole thing. There, it's they're all they've invented this whole narrative that like there's this secret Nazi movement that you know caused January sixth and is making the truckers go. It couldn't be that people don't like their stupid policies. That couldn't just be the case. That their policies suck and make people so angry <laughs> that they're willing to disrupt their lives. That couldn't be it. You know. But the thing is the left gets to occupy cities and even get people killed while occupying cities and have no repercussions or consequences to their movement or to the politicians who supported it whatsoever. There's no accountability on the left for any of that stuff. They 100% back everything other people on the left do, even if it's completely destructive. On the other hand, if you so much as, you know, like, don't vote for killing the filibuster to ram through Joe Biden's agenda, mm -hmm. you're an enemy of the people and anything goes as far as ruining and destroying you. You know, if you let people go on your podcast who say something that Biden says isn't true, then then you need to be destroyed. We're going to dig through every 
word that you've ever spoken in your life and make sure we find something that can ruin you. You know, if you're cursed in cinema, we can follow you into a bathroom. We can harass you. Gawker, I mentioned this in passing yesterday, but they wrote a whole piece entitled, We oh, Have yes. Cursed in Cinema's Social Security Number. And the subhead of the piece is what, do you think? Uh, is... Her social security number. Wow. What ghouls, huh? Wow. Last month, we filed a public records request for Arizona Senator Kirsten Cinema's divorce papers. The request came back with many enlightening insights, such as that the congresswoman uh, who wrote the book Unite and Conquer, How to Build Coalitions That Win and Last, and then declined to unite with her colleagues in passing the Build Back Better legislation that would have funded climate and social benefit infrastructure. That's quite an aside. She kept her 1997 Nissan Maxima SE when she divided and conquered her marriage in 1999. What's wrong with a 1997 Nissan Maxima SE? I don't think In anything. 1999, I don't know. The records also included some other intriguing information. Specifically, they included Cinema's social security number, bank account information, and driver's license number. It's possible she has since changed one or more of these. Typically, documents requested through open records law come with sensitive personal information redacted. But in this case, the inclusion of the personal information was not a clerical error. We checked. Uh, because the documents were filed in 1999, they were not subject to the county's current secure system for storing confidential personal information. And because the public records regulations ma uh, make legal documents much more accessible than those in supposedly liberal states like California or New York, the clerk's office was under no obligation to redact that information without a court order. Oh, good. So they didn't have to. They can just give it to Gawker. Perfect. The fallout is that anyone modestly familiar with navigating legal databases can obtain a U.S. Senator's Social Security number for $11 in processing fees. Huh. Uh, they go on to say that, uh, that you can do a lot with a Social Security number, but unfortunately, if the number in question isn't yours, most of what you can do with it is a felony. For example, we were hoping to run a credit check on cinema, but it seems to be illegal if you are not a business or individual qualifying a, for a person for a job, insurance, government benefits, or tenancy. One might argue that any of cinema's voting constituents are qualifying her for a job, but none of us is registered to vote in Arizona. Really? It's uh, incredible that they're even like spitballing about this, isn't it? Of course. That they want a way to run a credit check on her because they have her social security number. So they're trying to find some workaround. It's, so that they it's can really do it. terrorism. It's bizarre. And it's like the whole article is an extended threat. Stacey Abrams has apologized, Alice, for, take, for taking those pictures with the kids and what she had called a racist attack just two days ago. She now says it was a mistake that she would set the right example as governor and wear masks, but not be a hardline if conditions change. It's too beautiful. It is too. All of these pictures, all of which got found their way to Clay Travis, that shows mm -hmm. Stacey Abrams in the classroom. All of the kids made to mask, but not her in any picture. It is too beautiful. Uh, breaking news: Alberta, which is a my grandmother's name, who's from Canada. It's also a province in Canada. Alberta is dropping COVID restrictions and mandates. Threat of COVID-19 to public health no longer outweighs the hugely damaging impact of health restrictions. COVID and the restrictions have robbed thousands of young kids of the simple joys of being kids. Well, damn, that sure does it. That's well, nice. more and more states are dropping These them, right? These truckers are about to be freaking going global tour. Oh my well, they're not thrown into jail in Canada. But uh, all these states now are dropping them. Connecticut's dropped them. I mean, it's up well, to the local it. school districts, too. But you've heard it from Leanna Wen, who goes on TV and says that they are drop. They need to drop the restrictions now because people are getting too, uh, too non-compliant. Right. And they well, have to preserve their yes. public health authority the for later. Changed, for later says. when they're going to do it. No, yeah. well, the science is the is the public health science that says she wants to preserve the public health authority to do it again later. So yes. she wants to make sure that people don't completely ruin the authority of the government to order you to wear a mask later, which is what should happen. Damn it. <sighs> Even Melrose moving on from the mask mandate, Alice. And I have a new free subscription to, to my Substack, which means I better write one tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe it, Alice. My goodness. All right, Doggy, you good? I'm good. 
All right, everybody. I can't wait. We'll see you tomorrow. We'll see. Uh, I get the feeling something big's happening tomorrow. You heard it here first. Where did Why you do hear- you feel that? I don't, I'm not saying for us. <laughs> Why I'm do just you saying feel- in world events. I just have a feeling. It just seems like the table was set today to some- have something drop tomorrow. Okay. Wednesday, Alice. Or I call it hump day. Thank you again so much, everybody, for listening. You can find us at burnbarrelpodcast.com. We are at burnbarrelpod on Twitter, or you can find us at facebook.com slash burnbarrelpodcast. We're also on YouTube for the moment. We are always on Rumble. They have claim they will not kick us off. Uh, and you can email us, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com. Say la vie. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.